You are currently listening to the Sermon Podcast for First Ozark United Methodist Church in Ozark, Alabama. Thank you for joining us. Our scripture for today comes from the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 3, starting in the latter half of verse 4 to verse 14. Listen for the word of the Lord. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee. To the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach. When feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need. By sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love 
I seemed to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God so choose, I shall love thee better after death. So says Elizabeth Barrett Browning in her poem, Sonnet 43. I remember reading these poems as a teenager. Now, I was a melancholy teenager. I bet you cannot imagine that. And I had gotten her book of poems, Sonnet from the Portuguese, from the library. And going through this brilliant poetry phase as sometimes happened to our youth. And I remember reading poem after poem of this love with a sense of awe and befuddlement. I knew that I had never experienced anything like this. This was the kind of love that would hold a boombox over his head playing your favorite song outside your window. The kind of love that would write a top 40 hit song and sing it in stadiums around the world. The kind of love that would get so excited that they would go on a show on national television and jump up and down on the couch cushions professing love and then get so excited they ripped a bite out of one of the cushions. Love like this? I think Paul knew something about this kind of love. And for him, the subject of his love was no mere mortal. The scholars can have the debate on whether Paul or not was ever married. The subject of Paul's love was Jesus Christ. For his beloved, he was doing time in prison. Again, honestly, it's kind of hard to keep track of how many times Paul was thrown in jail for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. This letter of Philippians is written from a jail cell, and from incarceration, Paul writes an encouraging letter to the church. You'd honestly imagine that it would be the other way around, that the church would be writing an encouraging letter to Paul. You can get through this, buddy. But that's not the way it goes. Paul writes of the way that love has turned his life around. He had a good-looking resume, some things to be proud of. But things have changed. Today's writing is not the writings of a person merely checking off Sunday morning worship off of his list of things that good people do. Paul has been that person before, has checked all of the boxes, but he's found something better than a to-do list. He's found a relationship. What was most important to him before isn't what is most important now. What is most important now is Christ. 
These are the writings of a man wildly in love, willing to do anything to get closer to his beloved. Can you hear the yearning of his heart? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I may have thought that I was something before, but now, now Christ is the reason for me getting out of bed in the morning. Paul never met Jesus in the flesh, but he knew Jesus intimately. He loved Jesus, and Jesus loved Paul. Jesus Christ showed Christ's love to Paul in so many different ways. Jesus loved Paul enough to tell him when his actions were hurting the very one Paul was working so hard to serve. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus asked Paul on that Damascus road in an encounter that turned Paul's life around. Jesus loved Paul enough to not varnish the truth when Paul was hurting, willing to tell Paul things that are difficult to understand, like, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus loved Paul enough to never leave him or forsake him, even while Paul was in that jail cell. Jesus loved Paul with a jealous love that asked not for Paul's leftovers, a spare hour here, a thought there, but a love that asked for all that we are, with an honest love that asks us to turn to Christ again and again, a love that gives breath and life this love is a lifelong love. Or, in the words of Natalie King Cole, this will be an everlasting love. This love changes us, not just once, but over and over again, the love of Jesus is transforming us into who God created us to be. Lovers of God, lovers of one another. It's a love that we Methodists say calls us on to Christian perfection. Perfection not in the sense that we do everything right all the time, heaven forbid we fall into the trap of thinking that about ourselves, but perfection in the sense that every single thing we do is out of love. The sanctifying grace of God, the grace that molds us into God, who God made creatures, who God has created us to be, is upon us all. And this grace is working in the hearts and lives of believers all the time. Love is coming into fruition in us, and we are all on this journey together. A college mentor once said to me, we make big claims about loving God in worship. 
in our hymns and in our prayers, and honestly, there are some days when those claims feel like shoes that are too big to fill. And so, on days when our love seems too small, when it feels like God asks too much of us, we pray that God would expand the love in our hearts. We pray that the words we sing and the words we pray might become true. And we rest in knowing that God is faithful. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, Paul says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This love is available to everyone. It is freely offered. There is nothing you can do to earn it. Let me say that again. There is nothing you can do to earn it. It is a gift from Almighty God to us, to you, offered also to your friends and to your enemies. God's love knows no boundaries. God's love is offered each and every day of your life and beyond into the sweet by and by. Love spilling over, wrapping you in the best bear hug you've ever had. We respond the love of God, love made real in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, love made real in each of our own lives as we realize the love of God at work within and around us. We respond to love each day in who we choose to become, not only in the grand moments, but in the day in and day out too. Maybe in the day in and the day out especially. People much wiser than me have said that love is not only about grand gestures. In reality, those are only a small part. Love is about the everyday, the faithful love, the kind where you move their dishes from the sink into the dishwasher while shaking your head at them because the dishwasher is right there. Responding in love is not only how we act in our great spiritual experiences, not only our Aldersgate moments or our Damascus Road conversions, it is how we respond in our daily lives. Like Paul, waking up in a jail cell again, or wherever you'll be waking up tomorrow morning. Sarah Henrik says, when love calls us, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep us apart from one another. When love calls us, as Jesus does each day of our lives, calls us to Christ, calls us to be more like Christ, calls us to be love to one another, 
May we respond, straining towards that love with all that we are as we experience true love in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.